On today's edition of Bench Bros, the Blues win their first ever Stanley Cup. The Raptors could end the Warriors dynasty in game six. Kevin Durant re-injures himself. The U.S. Open is underway. And the U.S. women blow on Taiwan in the World Cup. All that and more on Bench Bros. Let's go. Welcome to this edition of the Bench Bro Sports Podcast. We're glad you could join us today as we are a bunch of sports junkies debating about the hottest topics going around in the world of sports. I'm your host, Wesley Splay, and joining me today are Anthony Fertini and Brandon Farrell. Guys, what's happening? What up, what up? What up? Ant, you playing Gloria all day long? I've been playing it all day long. I actually got it on right now. Is that the, re- is that the remix with the barking? <laughs> Got the remix with dog <laughs> With dog bark If you don't know what that Brandon's No, go ahead Brando got the remix with the bark Dog bark in the back Yes, yes, always Always dog barking Always got that remix on Well, if you don't know what we're talking about We'll fill you in Gloria has been the St. Louis Blues theme All postseason long And the Blues did it last night in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup. They won their first ever Stanley Cup in their 53-year existence by beating the Boston Bruins 4-1. Boston came out strong in the first period, but were never able to capitalize on Jordan Biddington, who had 32 saves. And Ryan O'Reilly scored the opening goal as he went on to win the Conn Smythe Trophy, which is the most valuable player in the NHL playoffs. And Blues winning. Break us down. Uh, yeah, it was good hockey. Uh, congratulations to the Blues. Yeah, congratulations wow. to them. Good wow, insight, he, he just he really just dissected that play by play. What Anthony round? Of, Did you um, like that Stanley Cup <laughs> you... analysis right there? Holy shit, Wes! He is so. He... Somebody give me a job on oh NBC. Somebody God. give me a job. Put this out there, Edited. Patrick Sharp. If you're listening. I'm right here. Uh, let me just start by saying I wish I could have watched the game, but I was in bed by 7.30. Why so early? Because uh, driving from here to Alabama, uh, oh, pretty, pretty tiring. Well, honestly, that was a great series. Um, man, it was awesome. It was so cool to see just the series of events that happened to the Blues from – Signing Ryan O'Reilly, number one, then firing um, the coach there, whatever his name was, Teo, <clears throat> hiring Craig Berube, whatever, Craig. Craig there. Berube. Um, Berube, um, ex-Flyer, or played for Flyers. Um, being in last place January 2nd, having a rookie goaltender, and now Stanley Cup champions. The only reason the Blues won the cup is because of the grit, the heart that they carried. That's it. Doesn't really. I mean, they're skillful. They're super big. They're super physical. But it was the heart and the determination and the will to succeed that brought them to the cup and to capture it. Awesome series by them. Bruins played really good. Hats off to them as well. But the Blues come away with the cup, and now it's time for them to celebrate. All right, I'll break it actually down. I'll break down the game since I'm kind of like just juggled around it. <laughs> anyway. Well, I don't really know hockey, so I didn't want to break anything down. You want me to break game seven down? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Break it down, boy. No, nah, I'm kidding. I was breaking down. So the first period was like. So the first period was all Boston. I mean, all Boston, Boston all established Boston. their game in five on five, and then they had a power play in there, and. You know, they had a couple yeah. of – Only penalty. Yeah, it was the only penalty game. In game sevens in the hockey, game. they never call anything. So, I kind of expected yeah. that. And, you know, they they came out firing. They had 18 shots on Jordan Bennington. And, like, they missed a few open net chances. Yep. So many scoring opportunities. Yeah, and then Jordan Bennington was all – you know, the crease that whole entire first period. And then, you know, St. Louis at the very end, they – well, first of all, they already got the deflection by Ryan O'Reilly in the five hole, which was a pretty sweet goal. Tuka Rask couldn't really do anything. That was their only third shot of that whole entire period. 
But that was the that was the turnaround right there. That was people will say goal number two was. I say goal, goal number, number two. two is what's because goal number two, no go ahead. Goal number two is what I believe sealed it. Yeah. But goal number one is what pretty much got them to goal number two. So in my eyes, a lot of the times they'll say goal number two, goal number three. You know, that's when it was like okay, you know, there's no coming back. But goal number one, game seven, Stanley Cup final. Who is going to score first? The person, the team that scores first is most of the time the team that's 100. especially the way and the St. Louis the plays. Like they, that te- team needs to score first. They absolutely have to. Yeah, but look at look at the chances that the Bruins had. Man, oh my God, Jordan Bennington played so good in net that game. He was he was in the zone. You could not take him out of it. But let me talk about the, the second goal. The let me talk about the second goal because Marsham was in front of uh, Polangelo right there. And then he decided to skate. It was a terrible change by the Boston Bruins. He went off for a change, and there was only one guy, and it created a two-on-one advantage for St. Louis. And then Petrangelo made that sick backhanded goal at the end of the first period. Like, there was probably seven seconds left on the clock. You got to think Boston came in the locker room like, dang, did that really just happen? We're down 2-0. I think that was the game changer right there because from then on, St. Louis just absolutely played great defense. They were playing great forward checking, good neutral ice. You know, first first period though it was like were the Blues even playing? Man, Boston had the puck the whole time. Almost. Yeah, like I said, they only had they four shots. Shooting four shots in that first yeah. period and made two of them. Yeah, but you know, I Tuka Rask played a good game. You should win on like especially those were tough goals that he had to um to like try to block because I mean the redirections are very very it was right it was right in front of him and then that backhand over the shoulder. I forget where Braden Shen scored on him, but oh it was towards the wide side of the pad, but like that was in the third period. And that to me the third goal was the sealer. I was like, there's no way that, Boston's coming back. 3-0 with oh, like 10 minutes. Third, yeah. With 10 minutes to go in the third, I thought that was it. But that could have easily been like a 3-0 game, Boston. The saves that Absolutely. Jordan Bennington made, he stayed because he didn't sell. They, they tried getting him moving post-to-post or out of position. He took his ground, and he played smart. He, he literally predicted the shot and the play before it even happened, and I think – that is literally what helped him seal the deal in that game. He almost had a Stanley Cup shutout. Yeah. Just think just just think about that. Game seven. And it was like a, a six man advantage at the like the last minute that Boston scored the first goal. When they scored, yeah. right. Incredible, man. Like really, 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 really is for for a rookie that was the fifth stringer at the start of training camp and then in January he gets called up. And, you know, he leads the rookies in, like, most wins in the Stanley Cup playoff run with 16. Matt Murray only won 15 games, and Cam Ward, too, when he was in Carolina. But uh, do you feel like Ryan O'Reilly deserved the Conn Smythe over Jordan Bennington? Uh, It's tough. Last night was Jordan Bennington, but Ryan O'Reilly has had a point in every single game. Um, throughout the whole entire had, Stanley Cup. And it had a goal games four through seven. I think the reason they gave Ryan O'Reilly the Conn Smythe uh, trophy there is because Ryan O'Reilly's been in the league for a long, a pretty decent time. He struggled in Buffalo for years to the point that he looked like he wanted to kill himself um, last season. Um, and just... You know, I think they kind of look at him like Bainton's a rookie, like, you know, got to earn your way, although I think he did. It's tough, man. I mean, it's like you have two great players. Who are you going to pick? Really, who are you going to pick? I think Bennington was the more worthy one of getting that trophy last night. But going with Ryan O'Reilly, you know, he's definitely the – have you seen his the way he works out and whatnot? He's – dude, he's a maniac. Like, uh, he, there's not many guys like him in the league at all. There's probably about a handful, five to ten guys you train like him. I would agree with you about the Jordan Bennington thing, but the fact that, you know, he got pulled in game three and let up like five easy goals, I think that you couldn't couldn't give it to him. Like if he was like Tuka Rask, 
and played well the whole entire series, then I'd be like, all right, give it yeah, to you George. could. I think that's, but you know, exactly. Tarasenko was like, like a valuable option to pick. You know, he, he came on in the Stanley cup finals, had like a bunch, like six points throughout four games. He, he was doing really well. Ryan O'Reilly, like scoring a goal in like the last three games and then having a point in each one. I mean, that was pretty good. So I couldn't argue. He was consistent. Yeah, I couldn't argue with consistent. his choice. Right. But right, right. Hats off. To I, the agree. Blues, I agree, man. Good job on them. Yeah, they were uh, they were unstoppable. I, really. I don't think they have any big time free agents either. So they're gonna have pretty much the same team. So they'll be a contender next year, definitely. It's not like this team was like a one once in a lifetime thing. Yeah, for sure. But you got to look at, you know, Stanley Cup is much different than any other. It's more sport. wide open. Like the teams are even. Every single team in the league is pretty even, besides the Coyotes and you know teams like that. So pretty much overall, I think it was a great playoff run this year. Um, bunch of teams that made it that I wasn't expecting to make it. Uh, good run by the Sharks. Definitely expected that. Good run by the Islanders was shocked, but at the same time, they had Barry Trotz. Um, overall, exciting. Congratulations, though, to the Blues, because like I said, they had the most grit, the most heart, and they were the ones that deserved the cup. Yeah, I think it was a very shocking yet exciting season, especially in the, with all like the first team overall um, seeds going out in the first round. I think that opened up a lot of doors. Uh you know, great, great Stanley Cup final. Congratulations to the Blues. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting offseason because there's a ton of free agents and a lot of moves that need to be made. So, um, yeah, I mean, Blues have a shot of repeating. They definitely do. But, you know, Tampa already is the favorite in Vegas uh, for, like, the way too early, you know, NHL 2020 season. Uh, you know, Caps are still going to be back there. Uh, let's All see right, if anyone. Up. Sorry, can... you're over. Thank you. So, uh, Flyers are gonna be dead last. Uh, they... <laughs> yeah, okay. But gritty still be... number one mascot. It absolutely gritty baby. I don't care if we're in thirty first place. Gritty all day. <laughs> but right. I think it's gonna be. I think Caps will make it again. Um, I, the Lightning is gonna be back there. I I don't, dude. I'm still just my mind is just. Like to this day, you, I, my mind is still in in Jupiter, not even Mars. It's in Jupiter. I just don't understand how the Lightning, just how that happened, and then thinking that Columbus should have made the Stanley Cup after that. I don't yeah. understand. I got no yeah. words. I got no. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Boy's mind is in fucking Jupiter, so I, Jupiter. I can understand why you don't have words. I get it. <laughs> I got no words. I believe me. I understand. Well, let's get back to planet Earth as we have another championship <laughs> uh, league going on, and that is the NBA. The Raptors <laughs> won against the Warriors in Game Five. Uh, as you know, Kevin Durant hurt himself. I came back. Um, so he was out, and then the Warriors ended up winning by one point. That leads us to currently tonight, game six is about an hour away. Warriors' last home game in Oracle. This will be without KD. Toronto could win their first title in their 24-year existence tonight. Kevin Looney, who's been a bench player for the Warriors, is active. Uh, Brandon, do you see the Warriors getting it done and forcing the game seven, or the Raptors finally getting their chip? Uh, real quick, Anthony, your mind is in Jupiter. Is the Earth round or is it flat from your perspective? In Jupiter, the Earth is round. Okay, guys, if you're listening to this podcast, comment below and let us know if the Earth is round or flat. Oh, we want to hear your conspiracy theories. <laughs> Dude, this whole podcast is just turned into a jerk-off ceremony, honestly. <laughs> like, we just started, and then I, I couldn't connect for like five fucking minutes, and now we're bullshitting about different galaxies. Yeah, so Raptors, Warriors, Game 6. Uh, Warriors aren't going to win. Their backs are against the wall. They don't have enough weapons. They need KD. They're not a dynasty at all. KD led that team to their championships. No questions asked. Without KD, they're screwed. To keep it short and simple, KD is the 
best scorer in the game, if not the best player in the game. Don't at me on that. Uh, it's a shame he went out the way he did because it's such a bad injury and it's so hard to recover from. And not being able to see him play next season is going to suck. Um, and when he does come back, nobody knows if he's going to be the same player. But on that note, this is it for him and the Warriors. He's going to move on to another team. I think the Raptors take it game six tonight at Oracle. Dude, I, 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 no, go ahead. Sorry. 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 I just uh, – I got to say, too, I saw that injury, and um, <laughs> you, could, you could clearly tell that he snapped – it looked like a muscle tear, just like a calf tear, um, calf rupture, but it turned out to be an Achilles, which is weird. I guess the vibration from the snap sent all the way up to the calf, but it looked like it was just a calf tear. But unfortunately, it's even worse. Now he's got a Achilles tendon tear, and like Brandon said, that's very, 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 very hard to recover from. And to be able to play in the NBA again at such a high level after that injury is going to be tough. Um, but like, we'll see what happens, you know, who knows what's going to happen. He may come back. He may be fine or, you know, he may, you know, have to just take it, take it down a notch. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but I want to focus on uh game six tonight. Um, Clay, Clay and Steph have to put up 60 at least. And then they have to have like a solid third option because the, the Raptors have been making all kinds of shots from, you know, Kyle Lowry, besides his, like, little flop at the end of uh, game five there. Um, Kyle Lowry, Marcus Saul, you know, um, Siakam, they all been balling. And uh, Danny Green, too. It's not just Kawhi uh, putting up these points. It's everyone else. Van Leet, all these guys coming off the bench for Toronto, all the starters for Toronto. They've been playing lights out. They've been hitting around, like, 40% from field goal range, which is – Pretty ridiculous for a whole entire team. We talking NFL or we talking uh, basketball, Ant? Basketball. Well, with yeah. that with that being said, though, I mean, when it, it comes down obviously to who wants it more, and I, I mean, you could see the the Raptors are playing with more heart than the Warriors are. Simple, easily. I mean, I, they're going to use what the it's excuse. All about. Oh, Kevin yeah, Durant it's about went down the, ball in the hoop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. They, now the thing is, oh, bad. Kevin Durant went down. We got a win for him. That nah, bullshit. You had your opportunities. Yeah, and I think uh, a third option has to step up, too. Uh, another key factor, too, Draymond Green has six technical fouls. If he gets a seventh, he is suspended for if there is a game seven, and he'll be ejected from the game tonight. So I'm praying for that. I mean, it'll be very interesting because, like, if he does end up getting – if that, the Warriors do that boy's fucking robot – and then, you know, he gets suspended for game seven. That will be two championships where he possibly screwed the Warriors over. But anywho, I mean, I'm looking for Boogie Cousins to have a big night. Uh, Kevin Looney's playing in the lineup. I do think the Warriors win. There's no way they lose all three games in the NBA Finals at the Oracle. I, I just don't see it happening. I, I mean, I could be wrong because the Raptors are a legit championship team. Well, look at the way these home games have been going for each team. Yeah. Yeah, it's turning into the Stanley Cup final when it comes to road games. I mean, it's not – For real, man. Less pressure. Like, so, not even a factor anymore. It yeah, exactly. literally is less pressure for – like, this is going to sound really dumb, but it's less pressure for the people on the road because they don't have anything to worry about as far as pleasing their fans in, in person. True. There's no real big distractions – as long as you can block out the the Boston BS and then, you know, for the uh, whoever the away team is going to be for the NBA there as well, which is probably the Raptors, they can block out Golden State's crowd. They should be fine. Yeah, and I mean, they've done pretty well in games three and four when they are in the Oracle. But I just see, I just see Clay and um, Steph having their night together. They haven't had a good night in this whole entire finals when they're both firing on cylinders. I think tonight they will be, and I think that juices up their whole entire roster, and uh, they'll be able to do moving around pieces. I think Draymond will be fine for um, to play in game seven. I don't think we'll get a technical. But I am expecting Boogie. He has to be really good on the offensive glass and get more rebounds because Marcus Saul has been bodying him 
when it comes down to that. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's talk about the KD thing too. Um, as you know, we've mentioned he ruptured his Achilles. He had surgery yesterday here in New York City to uh, fix it. Um, people are saying he might have been rushed. People are saying that he might have like implemented this on his own. We he did have a calf strain about a month ago when he was playing the Rockets. Uh, Anthony, since you are, you know, the strength and conditioning guy. Let's go. Here we go. Get him up. High knees, high knees, and back. Ten and go. On the whistle. Here we go. I mentioned it already, but how, do you feel like the Warriors rushed him into this, or do you think this was like a player-insensitive injury, or do you just think this just happened? Especially Look, man. It, they just happened out of nowhere. Ex- that's true. That is very true, but here's the thing. If you're already injured, the chances of you getting even more injured or are literally 100% likely. Because if you are already hurt, you're probably going to wind up getting even more hurt because you're already playing on a weak leg, weak arm, whatever it be. So the thing is, 100% definitely rushed. He needs time to heal. These are things that don't heal over time. And when you're talking about something with either a shoulder or a leg, that's something that can get injured really easily. And you, you know, and you don't want to push something like that. It looks like they did. And look what happened. Yeah. Uh, Brandon, you have any thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I kind of had mixed feelings. Like when it first happened, my immediate thought was, wow, he rushed into it. He really shouldn't have played this game. But uh, after you put some thought into it and you see it, see it from a player side and a coach's or doctor's side, Obviously, it's hard for a player to sit on the sidelines and watch, especially knowing that after going through workouts and testing it for however however many days, a day or two before the actual game, he felt good, and maybe his doctors told him there was a very low chance of uh, re-injuring it or making the injury worse. So yeah, he was out a month, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's his fault. I mean, if he felt good and he wanted to go, I'm sure he was clear to go. I don't think anybody rushed him back into it. I just think as a player, you don't want to sit out the whole, the whole, the whole time your your team's in the NBA Finals. You want to get out there and help. So I can't fault him. I mean, the doctors maybe. I mean, they should have warned him. I mean, this could lead to this, which obviously happened to him. And I'm pretty sure they told him that well beforehand. But here's the thing. Who knows who has the final say, number one, if the sports medicine staff really is doing their job. And number two, when you have a player like KD, like you guys said, one of the best players to play right now, you know, people are thinking that's KD. We got to get him back in the game. But that's healthy KD. Broken KD is not healthy KD. So when you put broken KD in the game, he's just as good as I am at basketball. How good is how good can this guy be? How good can this guy be if he can't even stand? Well, I get you. You know what I'm saying? You get my point. Yeah, he's obviously a better basketball player than I'll ever be if I play five million hours a day. No, I beg to differ. But the thing is, what I'm saying is, if as an injured player, if you go and you put somebody out there who's already on protocol for some type of program, rehab program, or some type of red flag. The chances are they're not going to be 100 percent, and they're going to get injured, and they're not they're not going to play at 100 percent. And now he set himself back even more. Who, whoever's decision that was, his the staff, whatever it was, you know, it's not worth putting in a player who's already hurt. I think the decision was down to KD because you know that probably yeah. the trainer. You could do so much as a trainer. You know, it's all about how the player feels and like. As being a player and being hurt, you know, I was notorious for that. <laughs> anyway, I agree. I was too, I'll be honest. Being, being hurt, though, you know, the trainers and, you know, the medical staff and the doctors, they can't understand how you feel or how the injury feels in your body. Every body is different. This is what happened with Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio the last couple of years, and it led to that whole fiasco. You know, the Warriors knew that, you know, if this guy comes back and re-injures himself, you know, we're going to get a lot of scrutiny. So I'm pretty sure they were like, you know, watching KD, working him out the right way, going through the good motions, 
And then, you know, asking KD, you know, how, how did that feel? How this feel? How that feel? And KD has the final say. KD is a very competitive player, especially if his team is in the NBA Finals and he'll want to get, get back out on the court. But, you know, as a player, you got to understand the circumstances when you do that. You know what, man? A lot of the times in athletes, especially professional and whatnot, and college, you can feel ready, but you can the feel body ready, is telling you you're not, not ready. ready. Yeah, exactly. Look, man, I, I tour my Achilles. I'll tell you straight up. You know that, Brandon. I was playing with you. There were times when I went to PT and I tell my PT, hey, look, get me on these box jumps now. Like, I feel good enough to be able to do something else. Like, nope, nope, nope. Keep it at that. You're still in the remodeling phase. Don't don't push it. Don't push it. I'm telling you, don't do it. Then you start doing it, and then before you know it, the next day your foot's completely swollen or where you have some type of hip pain because things lead up to each other. Yeah. To another. The confusing thing about this is that they never released what the injury currently was. Like it, They just said it was a calf strain, so that right. kind of puts a lot of confusion Onto you know maybe they did diagnose it as like you know I don't know if you can sprain your Achilles but you can you um well it's a tendon so it'd be considered yeah. a strain like so, not a sprain because that's ligament but you can still yeah you could that's pretty much what he probably had he probably had a mixture between some calf tears and some Achilles tendon tears I mean everything's connected so he probably had some grade one tears in that Achilles and that finally gave out after a while. The amount of force these guys can generate. Look at Zion, who how he broke his shoe. The guy put so much force into the court, he broke his shoe. Yeah, just goes yeah. to show how strong these athletes are. That sometimes, with all the training and all the protocols they go through, they can't even prevent injury. And especially like now, you're looking to the finals where they played so many games, their bodies are broken down, they're beaten down. Yeah, it's tough to it's tough to stay healthy, man. Especially uh-huh. this long into the season. So, Brandon, um, we know he has a player option. We know he's about to be opting out of that option to become a free agent. Do you think – well, obviously, this injury has to impact free agency for him, but does it impact free agency for the whole landscape? Uh, yeah, it, it does because there's, there's big names out there that want to play with other big names. For instance, Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving. I mean, speculations where Kyrie was going to recruit KD to play with him. And, uh, I mean, if Kyrie or KD isn't healthy this year, then is that really going to happen? Probably not. But a team is still going to sign him to a Supermax contract no matter what, even if he's got to sit out for a season and even knowing he might not come back the same player he once was. I'm not questioning his scoring abilities when he comes back. I'm just questioning the way he's able to move and if he's still going to have the same explosiveness. So the one thing – I just want to say one thing because – to this about coming back from injury as a basketball player, basketball players are really, really hard to train to start with because they're really tall. So they have very long levers. So putting a guy under a lot of load in a squat or something in a jump pattern that has very long legs is very difficult to do. Cause like I said, they're so long. So the, the moment arm is longer that takes more energy to bring the bar all the way down and then bring it back up. So you got to be really careful the way you train these guys. Now, for somebody like KD, who's had a calf, this Achilles, Achilles tendon injury, and now his calf is probably non-existent. Now he has to rehab that and hopefully have that same force output to be able to jump up to that hoop every single game for months is incredibly difficult to come back from. And, you know, I hope that he's able to come back from it. But who knows if he really will, if he will be able to do so because it's very, very, very tough and almost at times that you can't get a hundred percent back, like ever, after injury from something like that. I say he takes next year off. Um, obviously, if he's smart, he's going to take a year off, and then when he does come back, I don't think they're going to put him in every single game. He would be limited. Yeah, I get, I get you there. But um, let me jump into this because it's, it is kind of interesting with, like, if he's going to leave or not because the Warriors have the option to give him the Supermax, which a max contract is you pretty much max out, like, $280 million if you were to sign it on a new team. And then you get four four years on top of it. 
So the Warriors can offer him the Supermax and add an additional year's worth of salary onto it, and he stays additional year. So, like, you know, he's approaching 32 to 33 years old in 2020. So he's going to be up there in age, and it's probably going to take a longer time for him to come back from this Achilles because he's, he's an older NBA guy. He's, he's now, like, a over 10-year veteran. So, you know, the Warriors have that extra year, so that way he can probably take that extra year off and then be able to play another four years, whereas he went to another team, he'd take the year off and have only three years. Well, I don't think it really matters to KD. He's made a lot of money. Um, I think the consensus is he wants to come to New York City. His mom lives here in Times Square. Um, whether that's Brooklyn or, you know, with the Knicks, the teams are going to do their homework on this injury, and they're going to see who's going to want to still come without KD a year. So if he goes to the next and another superstar goes there, they're going to be like a 70 or a – not a 70, a 37-win ball club. Like, right. they'll, be, they'll be competitive in games, but they won't win enough. You know what I mean? It's just it's just the, you know, the process kind of element to it. Mm-hmm. But speaking of free agency news, uh, there's news about Anthony Davis, who's been in trade talks all year long, ever since January. The Pelicans and Lakers have exchanged – in talks again about a trade for Anthony Davis. The offer is Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and the fourth overall pick for Anthony Davis. The Pelicans are trying to find another team to be in the deal to get a high-quality player in exchange for the fourth pick. The Celtics engage, but Rich Paul, Anthony Davis's agent, says he would be only a one-year rental. He'll only be there for that particular year and leave in free agency the next year. So, um, Brandon... We've talked about this a lot in the past. Um, so the trade talks have been up. What do you think about a deal for Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and the fourth overall pick for Anthony Davis in the Lakers and Pelicans situation? I think the Lakers are still offering garbage for Anthony Davis. Um, Lonzo Ball can't stay healthy. Brandon Ingram is not a great player in my eyes. And who the fuck knows? Who, who knows who the fourth overall pick is going to be? Uh, I mean, there's not too many great. Kyle yeah, Bush could be Kyle Bush. You're right. Uh, maybe Dale Earnhardt. Um, <laughs> Watch Jeff Gordon come out yeah, and play in the NBA. I can see Jeff Gordon. Yeah, a guy comes out of nowhere. Um, I, I just I, I think that Anthony Davis needs to shut up and sit down and stay in New Orleans and let Zion come play there and see where they can go from there. Um, you know, these players start crying about their contracts and their money and where they want to go and. They all want to be out in L.A. How about you just play the game and win a championship for your city? Have guys come to you. Yeah, Simple. I mean, stop crying about wanting Simple. to be out in L.A. Uh, he he Look, wants man, to go. Go ahead. Hard... No, no. Yeah, sorry, he, man, everybody go wants ahead. to go out to L.A. play for the Clippers or play with LeBron. But I mean, just 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 stay where just stay put. I mean, unless you're on a really bad team like Kemba Walker is, and I don't see any future for the Hornets. I mean, just stay put. You're They're getting. Go on. They're getting they're getting the number one pick in the draft who's gonna be Zion Williamson. Why not ride that out for a season and see what comes about? Or, you know, you start relatively fresh. We've seen players that have been dealt from the Lakers, like D'Angelo Russell, for instance, get dealt from the Lakers and have new beginnings elsewhere and done a tremendous job. I mean, Brooke Lopez is another example for him going to Milwaukee and being a great shooter for them. You know, the Lakers just, like, they get the bad end of the stick when it comes to these deals. I mean, sure, the Lakers are a dumpster fire lately with uh, with players and trades. But, you know, Anthony Davis, he wants to go there. Let him go there. Get, you know, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram. That just adds more depth because you already got Buddy Heel there. Or um, Juwan Howard or... I forget what the one dude's day, name that's been a consistent um, player for the Pelicans. Uh, Drew, Holl- Drew Holiday. Yeah, he's a consistent player. And then you get Lonzo as a point guard when he's healthy. You have Brandon Ingram as a forward. And you got Zion Williamson as a forward. You just need a big man. All right. And so Chipping on for a big man. And you probably get a cheaper big man too. So that way you can have more cap space because Anthony – Davis is going to be gone. Maybe you bring in somebody else, like a like a Marcus Saul as a good veteran. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, 
I don't know if they're going to want to get rid of Marcus All if they win a championship, though. He he brings good veteran leadership to the Raptors. They got a lot of plays they want to play um, pay though if they want to keep Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that's going to be interesting too. Like that team, that team has a lot of good talent. Like Van Leet and Siakam's a rising star right now. Siakam reminds me of Chris Bosh, but not as tall. Mm-hmm. A little bit more athletic. Yeah, he's been playing very well. You see, from from like get a fresh start. You'll have a lot of money because Anthony Davis won't be there anymore. You know, you're gonna have you know the brand new toy in Zion Williamson. You know, if maybe they get a high end player for that fourth overall pick. They're trying to do that with a third team. The draft is a week away, so the you know clock is ticking. Yeah. I think it's, I think this is a good deal, but you know, I think right now it's more of like a staring contest of who's going to blink first. Like, um, are the Pelicans going to take it, or are the Lakers going to be like, all right, we'll throw in you know Josh Hart or uh, Kyle Kuzma or whatever? Well, no, yeah, you make a great point uh, with everything you just said. Um, uh, if AD goes to LA, then the talk is can they win a championship? But I would say no. Because, they still need shooters. Yeah, they don't have any other pieces around LeBron and AD, um, and they're not going to have any money because they're signing AD and LeBron. <laughs> That's going to take all their money. Yeah, and you'll have to build back up again because you're training away their depth. Yeah. All right. So um, we had some troubling news um, on Sunday. Uh, former Boston Red Sox icon David Ortiz was shot on Sunday night at a bar in the Dominican Republic. He was sitting outside of the bar with popular sing- singer Sir Cuatro, who's a Latino singer, and the TV host Joel Lopez when a motorcyclist approached Ortiz and shot him from point blank range into the lower back. There's surveillance uh, footage going on around now that's been released to the public. Ortiz was rushed into surgery and um, was transferred to Boston and is stable after um, having two surgeries and is getting fully recovered. Uh, more news shows that there were six suspects in an apparent homicide attempt that had Ortiz on a bounty at $8,000. Uh, police are still gathering evidence and looking for more suspects. Uh, Anthony, you saw this story break on Sunday. What did you think about it? I was pretty shocked to hear that it was David Ortiz and no less to get shot in his own home country. Mm, it's, I heard that the bullet went through his back into his back and then actually through his stomach and hit his buddy. I don't know if it's a hundred percent. It said that right. the bullet hit no vital organs, so that was pretty good. Well, that's the best thing about it, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's just it's not like it's uncommon these days, but to get shot in your own home country is kind of uh, you know. I thought they liked him there, but who knows what the whole whole deal was we'll have to see what the results are jealousy or what they find possibly could be eight thousand yeah. dollar bounty man yeah i had to do a double take when i saw it on tv i was like wait or i was like is that david ortiz or 50 cent getting shot again yeah, right? I'm, what, I'm, seriously i was like wait a minute yeah yeah when i saw david ortiz i'm like what really like how can that be yeah, it's some uh, crazy stuff, and that'll be a developing story to go on for the next uh, week or so. Um, NFL news, 23 teams are in mandatory mini camp. But uh, quickly, uh, some interesting news. Uh, the Patriots are filing tampering charges against the Texans for discussing with Pat's director of player personnel, Nick Carrizo, <laughs> new position. The Texans attempted to hire him, but the Patriots feel like it violated the NFL current tampering rules. Apparently, one of the four, the employers for the Houston Texans was at the ring ceremony. Which, by the way, the Pats ring is gorgeous. Their their Super Bowl ring is very nice. Anyway, um, he was there and he was talking with Nick about you know possibly jumping on board with the Houston Texans. And then you know Houston fired their GM last week and Brian Ganey. I'm hopefully I'm probably saying that name wrong. But then the Patriots are filing tampering charges. Um, just yesterday. So it's a very interesting news from uh, New England. C- coming from the team that gets accused of cheating all the time. Yeah, very interesting. Also, uh, some NFL news. Uh, the Oakland Raiders will be featured on this year's show of of um, Hard Knocks presented by HBO. Um, uh, this is a training camp show. 
I am going to watch that because you got so many characters on that team. It's ridiculous. And all regulars are a laughing stock. I was hoping yeah, they, it should I was be pretty entertaining. I was hoping they do the Browns. Well, the Browns already did it last year, and uh, there were some NFL rules that, like, if a team did it, has a new coach or, you know, has been to the playoffs or has already done it in the previous four years, you can't be on it. So, or has the Giants? Orange. The Giants were open to it, but I guess, I you know, know, the Raiders are a better option to me. I'd rather watch the Raiders, like, see. You know, Dude. All right, Giants, Giants, Hard Knocks. What is that? Like sitting in a chair and playing Saquon Barkley. Goose? That's it. All yeah, right, name why don't you just Saquon name Saqu- the Giants? Why don't you just name it Saquon Barkley and then the hashtag there Hard Knocks? Because <laughs> Eli Manning is not going to be no Hard Knock. <laughs> You're lucky if you get three playing, words out of Eli Manning in that show. Guy's going to be playing Duck Duck Goose with friggin' Odell like out in Cleveland. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be very interesting. Um, so that's in August. Uh, we shift to golf now. The round one of the U.S. Open kicked off today at Pebble Beach. Um, Brooks Kepka is the favorite to win that tournament. Not surprising. You got Tiger Woods also up in there. Johnson. Um, <laughs> you know, Ricky Fowler. <laughs> yeah, laugh a golfer. All right. Get your khaki shorts on and tell us what's going on in the U.S. Open. Say about that. Honestly, this is something that I haven't been uh, paying attention to. The only thing I saw is that – is this true that Brooks Kepka wasn't invited to this? No. So, like, Brooks Kepka was, like, not promoted by, oh, promoted. Fox, by Fox on, like, yeah. commercials about, you know, the U.S. Open. They had Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods. They didn't have Brooks Kepka on there. Uh, boy, That's too sweet. good. Boy, just that's like that's Nari, the Italian stallion was on there. It's like a slap in the face. I mean, this guy is one of the top golfers right now. Yeah, I'd be pretty angry if I was him too. He won the he won the last major the PGA championship and Tiger won the Masters. Do you have any predictions since it's at Pebble Beach, which is, you know, a golf course where you have to stay on the fairways? Could you imagine Tiger winning this one? I could. I could. He's pr- he played pretty well at Pebble Beach when he did back in, like, 2001. But, you know, times are different now. Right. Uh, predictions? I, it's going to be the same guys, man. Brooks Kepka, Tiger, Phil Mickelson. Uh, you know, those top three I guys. Think, I think Phil wins this one. He's due for a major win. Yeah. He's been playing great golf, by the way. It's just everyone else has just been, like, better. Yeah, Dude, know. he always he plays some great score. He puts up Dude, great scores. Yeah, he he like three fifteen like Caffrey's. Come on. Oh, dude, the guy's caps are insane. He gives me a run for my money. Yeah, but Bubba Watson's pretty pissed about it. <laughs> Bubba Watson too. He's another. Did you golfer. did you see it though? He was like mad. He yeah, yeah. Mad. He's like pissed off about his calf workout, so he like started playing golf with no shirt on, and then like got pissed at him, and then I don't. What's know, up with uh, golfers in their calves, man? Yeah, Dude, I'm pretty upset about that power, too because Phil Mickelson probably only trains calves. You have to train calves because the power comes from your legs. Well, it's mostly it's your back too, like your torso. It, well, you have to stabilize like that. that. A lot core. of core, yeah, a lot of core, but a lot of power and a lot of. Dude, think. Even as a football player, you got you're generating power through your feet, all the way up to that your upper body. So it all starts with your foundation. True. That's the most important part. When it comes to putting, I mean, like, I have to squat 500 oh, dude, pounds to, in order to. <laughs> dude, mm-hmm. it's a minimum mm-hmm. 545 bench, mm-hmm. 685 mm-hmm. squat, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and 795 deadlift if mm-hmm. you want to be able to putt. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly. We'll, All right, we'll moving, moving, moving along now. Oh, God. All right, Brandon's favorite subject uh, Women's World Cup soccer. Um, US... Did we forget about NASCAR? Uh, yes. Who? Uh, your last thoughts. Just hold on, everybody. Hold on. Everybody. Sorry. He's revving up his engine, boys. Yeah, it's, about, it's about to blow it up, too. So uh, just we'll just wait for a second. All right. The Women's World Cup, the U.S. women's team crushed Taiwan in their opening match. Uh, they won 13-0 with 10 goals in the second half. That's the most goal differential ever in a World Cup. Men's and women's. Alex Morgan had five goals, 
And there was a bit of controversy over the team celebrating after the later goals, like goals 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12 13, 19. And then, like, who did they play? Who did they play? I won. Dude, that's a good team. How they? How did they what? win? Wait, they won. What was the score? 13 to? 13 nothing. Oh, my God. Yeah, fucking joke. I don't, I don't understand. I don't fucking understand. Fucking joke. Well, I, I mean. I don't get it. Fucking joke. People are making a deal about running up the score, but in why in the World Cup though, it's interesting because that goal differential matters when it comes yeah. to um, you know, seeding and selecting who's going to be two or three. Right. So you know, I don't have a problem about that, but I do have a problem with like some of the celebrating, like when it was like goal ten and like you know there was like eight, 80 minutes on the clock, so there's like ten ten to twelve minutes left in the game. You know, they were celebrating like they just got like a game, game winning goal. Like that's Wes. It's because we're cocky Americans. What do you expect? It literally but, is, yeah. But like you know, true. and it's like you can say that like you know, I'm I'm going against women and they're not having fun or whatever. But like you act like you know, I get it's the World Cup and it's like once every four years and you have limited opportunities to play in the World Cup. But you know, know when a game is won and you know, show respect to the other team. Dude, look, I, I'm all I'm all for shaking hands at the end, but if you're gonna come out and you're gonna lose 13-0, I don't care if they even score 50 goals on them. Let them celebrate. And I'm coming from a coaching perspective too, where a lot of coaches probably won't agree with me. But look, man, the better player and the better team is gonna win. And if they didn't prepare, that's their own fault. So they should. They should celebrate take the like you won well, championship. I mean, yeah, they shouldn't celebrate on goal twelve like like they just yeah like they just won the championship game. You're right, but they should celebrate. They should enjoy it. Um, but like shame on the other team for not showing up, not preparing, and not playing well. To, to be fair, the U.S. is well, a juggernaut when it comes to their women's soccer team, so I don't think Taiwan had a chance anyway. I mean, St. Louis Blues just won the Stanley Cup, and they were thir- dead last January second in the mid right. mid of the winter. Skipping at the bit to get in. All right, uh, go ahead. In, in closing, my condolences to uh, Taiwan and their soccer team. Agree. Yeah, I mean, how do you bounce back from that? Uh, U.S. is a great take steroids. Take steroids. Put some wigs. Which, put some wigs on the which, men. Which other way are you going to bounce back, Wes? Honestly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Finish strong in the World Cup. Time for NASCAR? So, uh, no, oh. hold on. I still want to get my don't thoughts on Don't get me on. started. But, like, you know, if it if it's your first World Cup goal, be excited and stuff like that. But don't do, like, there was one girl that did, like, some weird kicking motion celebration. It, 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 no one understood it. It just looked really weird. <laughs> was it, it like a Fortnite? <laughs> like Fortnite bullshit? Yeah, Fortnite dance, yeah. It wasn't Fortnite. I didn't even know what it was. It looked like it was something from Dumb and Dumber 2. But, uh, <laughs> that's that not being mean or anything like that. I'm just being honest. But, I mean, like, if you're going to do some stupid shit, sure. But, like, you know, it's funny. I don't se- if I was to score a touchdown, I'd be excited and be like happy. But if it's like 70 0, I show a little bit of respect. Like Alex Morgan scored in like the eighth minute with her fifth goal. And it was like twelve zero, and she was like going freaking crazy. Like, come on, guys. But Wes, let me let me ask you this though. Like, I'm all for like respect, of course. Like, you should respect every single player and team, coach and staff and whatnot. But how can you show respect to a team that's like just losing so bad? Like, I, I don't understand that. It kind of makes it look like how can you Mercy. respect a team that just didn't work hard? Mercy. It's not about about working hard. You're talking about Taiwan, whose soccer team is not as strong. Yeah, they made the World Cup, but I mean, to, compared to the U.S., who's won it like four years Dude, ago, come on. They, how much time in advance do they have to prepare for the U.S.? Was it? It like doesn't the matter. Day before? It, it, it doesn't matter. Look, I'm all for shaking hands and smacking asses at the end of the game. So, Woo-hoo! all right. Um, so Taiwan needs a nice ice cold bush light. Yeah, right. And then, uh, you know, keg stands all day. Uh, Natty daddy. Well, for today, uh, we thank you for joining us. If you have any suggestions or comments, give us a comment.
going forward from here on out, our Facebook is very active. Uh, follow us on Twitter at BroBench. Um, we will keep you updated with every headline story as it breaks. This podcast is available on Spotify, so if you want to take the podcast on the go, you can get it from there. You can also listen to it to here on Anchor. So, again, thank you for listening. Brandon, any last thoughts before Anthony Fratini puts on the race car helmet and just drives straight into the wall? Uh, what am I, Austin Dillon? Yo, Fratini, bless up, my boy. Bless me with that yeah, NASCAR yeah, news. Was good. Was good. All right. Here we go, boys. Start your engines. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing in the desert, boys. Last week was in Michigan. I believe it got canceled. So thank no God. Thank God. NASCAR news. You do best NASCAR news yet. Yeah, sucks. I mean, what are you going to do? It's just the way she goes. It's the way she yeah, goes, boys. On Monday. So uh, they did that. Michigan International Speedway, 2.5, la- 2.5 500 laps. Uh, Ant, hold up. Yo. The race was raced on Monday. Oh, really? Yes, it was. Fuck. Oh, I didn't. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I didn't know that. All right, no NASCAR news this week. Well, well, our winner stands as Joey Logano, which was very not surprising. Chris Bush. Oh, damn it. He's looking at stats. Can you believe Kurt Busch came in second place? No. Wow. Tell me more, please. And then Truex, third place, baby. So he got his engine fixed. Let's and Kyle go. Busch, fifth place. Fuck Let's him. go. So happy. Brandon, you got any final thoughts? No. Okay, cool. And I'm Wesley Splane. You can find me on Twitter. Wait, at- who are you? Who are you? And I am. Find him on Twitter. Find him on Twitter, Wait, boy. Who are you? Who are you? So, uh, thanks you for listening. <laughs> we have to join us next time on Bench Bros. Bench Bros. Oh. We out. Oh.